We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Fires downfield to Jamar Chase. He's got it. Wow. Takes it all the way. DJ Moore has a pass to the end zone. Jonathan Taylor. Touchdown. Pass is caught. Touchdown. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Rotoviz Overtime on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by Blue Wire. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. And as always, I am joined by Sean Siegel, my co host here on the podcast. And Sean, it was a massive week for you and for Rotoviz in general. We had a lot of draft coverage up on the Rotoviz YouTube channel. Yourself and Ben did almost 13 hours of live streaming across the Rotoviz channel and the Ship Chasing channel. And we're delighted today to have one off the Ship Chasers, I guess we'll call him. Pat Corain is jumping aboard the podcast. And for anyone who watched the compilation of uh, all the clips off the draft streams, um, Pat played a starring role in those with the perfect timing when Rashad White came uh, for that draft pick. And then I think the golden moment has to be the uh, Pete Carroll, Clint Eastwood comparison from uh, Gran Torino. So uh, really enjoyable stuff. But uh, Pat, welcome to the show here as we kind of digest the the NFL draft. Thanks. Yeah, I appreciate, Colm, you you said you edited that video and uh, you kind of cast me as the star of it. But I I appreciate that. I, uh, I think I got a little lost on the Gran Torino. Uh, I got a little down that rabbit hole on, on that analogy, but that was a fun time. Thanks for having me on uh, this, the live stream. It was great. Well, Ben and I were getting getting to our end there. So we Pat jumped on. We were so excited, <laughs> really rescued us, reinvigorated the stream. We had a, a great time with you. Yeah, some of your favorite prospects came off the board while you were on, and that is always cool. So today we will find out if – those guys coming off the board there was actually good or not so we're going to jump into the running back winners from the nfl draft and we're going to start off this first question i don't know this could be winners or losers depending on your perception but we have Brees hall and kenneth walker one lands with the seattle seahawks one lands with the new york jets are they winners still with that latin spot <laughs> no they're not um they're not because like in some cases like okay so we'll get to like guys like Jahan Dotson and stuff and I think there are some instances where it's hard to call someone a draft loser because we don't like the landing spot when they came with draft capital that maybe wasn't uh, something that we could predict but we knew that these guys were going to be second round picks the Walker and and Brees Hall there was really no question it's a thin running back class 
Um, like even the fact that Cook was a second round pick was surprising uh, at least a little bit. So uh, if you know you're getting the second round draft capital and then the landing spots are pretty bad, like I don't like either landing spot for, I think the Seattle one's probably worse. Um, it is worse, but the Brees Hall one is definitely disappointing because, you know, a lot of the allure with Brees Hall is that he has this profile that suggests he can do everything. He can be a three down guy. He can handle the load. But we're seeing that the uh, the team's uh, philosophy matters a lot for that. You know, I wasn't the biggest Najee Harris guy, but, you know, that Pittsburgh Steelers philosophy, they're clearly down to just have one guy take all the snaps. And uh, the Jets aren't that team. And I was reading The Athletic yesterday. Uh, Connor Hughes, the Jets beat writer there, was saying, you know, they're philosophically committed to a committee and they're just going to have Michael Carter spelling Brees Hall. And we know Michael Carter is pretty good. He played a lot better than I thought he would last year, and he's a capable receiver. So I don't see any reason why they wouldn't use both guys. And that hurts Brees Hall. And I think it kind of moves him into like RB2 territory. And like, I don't know, it feels like, kind of like Joe Mixon or something, where he's probably still going to have a lot of dynasty value for a long time. He's probably still going to get drafted in like the second round of redraft leagues next year, but we're probably not going to want to take him. You know, so it just, it, I just don't like the way it kind of turned out for Brees Hall. I wouldn't, I definitely would not call him a winner of the draft. Well, it's disappointing. And, and like you said, it does seem like the Jets are committed to that. I wonder just how long you can go with that when you've got that kind of talent. I, you know, these things are always easier to claim in retrospect when a very specific scenario works out the way that a specific scenario will. But it definitely seemed like the Colts were not planning to use Jonathan Taylor the way that that has sort of grown into because he's just so good. Now, the problem for Brees Hall is that in order to earn that, if that's not what your team is wanting to do, is you've got to be unbelievably good. So there are lots of other spots, like you're kind of saying, where he wouldn't have to do that. I mean, he could be Najee Harris, which I mean, that's like a borderline starter. <laughs> so. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, I, and I think the thing with Hall that does worry me too is that his, if you look at like yards per outrun, which is I really like that, especially for running backs, because I think it kind of helps you understand the skill set um, and like the range of outcomes as far as the receiving stuff in a, in a really nice way. Jonathan Taylor had the same college career yards per outrun as Saquon Barkley. Like he was not used that much as a receiver, but he was highly efficient. And we see exactly why now that he's in the NFL. Like he's awesome on screen passes and stuff. Like he's, a, he's an explosive guy and teams almost have to be blind if they don't start to realize, Oh, we can use him in all facets of the game. Maybe not like, you know, a classic dump off guy, but you know, he's got some real talent as a receiver. Brees Hall was more in kind of the Ezekiel Elliott range, more in the Cam Akers range guys who like should be totally fine as receivers, but won't necessarily like dictate that they need to be on the field as receivers. So I do think that Brees Hall in some ways was like maybe a bit more landing spot dependent than even Jonathan Taylor. Well, speaking of great receivers, Pat, the most important player, the key player to this entire draft now has become Rashad White. Now that you've had a chance to digest his landing spot a little more, still excited that he went kind of at the beginning of the range we were looking for, a little bit worried because, like you said, the Buccaneers are a team that will just use one back. But unfortunately, that back is, is Leonard Fournette, and they've made sort of a 
renewed commitment to him from a contract perspective. They have, yeah, and they can't really get out of it until after the 2023 season. So we're looking at two years of Leonard Fournette. I would expect that they do get out of it at that point, though, because Brady being there at the beginning of the 2024 season is like, what, like a 0.5% chance? I mean, it's not. He won't be there. So, um, you know, it won't. Lenny won't be there, I don't think, longer than two years, but obviously the first two years of, of a running back are, are vital. So I'm still excited because – the bet with Rashad White, the whole reason to be interested in Rashad White is that he's got decent size at 214 with this elite receiving profile. And with the Buccaneers this year, as long as he gets on the field on in, in any way, really, he's going to get a chance to show what he can do as a receiver. Because Tom Brady throws to his running backs no matter the down. It's not like he has to earn you know, the third down role from Fournette for us to get a look at what he looks like as a receiver. And when you look at his receiving profile, it really is like a super high ceiling type of receiving profile. I've talked about the the yards per out run. Uh, if you look at guys with yards per out run of 2.3 or better uh, over the course of their college career, talking about drafted prospects, we're looking at Christian McCaffrey, Kenyon Drake, Alvin Kamara, Kenny Gainwell, and Joe Mixon, and Rashad White. So now we've got third-round draft capital here, and we've got a quarterback who's going to let us see what he looks like as a receiver. We go into 2023, and maybe this is like a Mark Ingram, Alvin Kamara situation. I don't I don't mind if, you know, Leonard Fournette's there to, to bruise and, and bang. I think, you know, at 214 pounds, we're not looking at a guy who's ever going to be like an 80% snap guy. We need him to be... If he's going to be a, a running back one for fantasy, we, we need him to be the one in a committee who who has the high value touches, you know, and Aaron Jones and Alma Kamara. That's the archetype we're looking at here. And I think he's going to get a chance to at least show us the type of talent that he is as a rookie. So I'm excited. And like those guys, he can take a pass and go 30, 40 yards with it. Yeah, he's athletic, too. That's that's I mean, it's all there. Like <laughs> this is the archetype. So, Pat, in this roughly, say, 60-picked range, starting with White from 90 to 151, we get nine backs going off the board, finishing with Alagier. Should we be taking the order that these guys came off the board as providing any intel? Would you be looking at Alagier and Damian Pierce as perhaps the biggest winners in this area because of landing spot? I would, yeah. I think that um, Alagier and Pierce are probably the biggest winners, yeah. In terms of like the order, I don't know. I think when you get to like the, um, like this sort of range of similar draft capital, I'd rather bet on the profiles. You cannot, there's not like a huge, huge gap. Um, and, but I think you do also want to figure out like what's the path to them showing us how good they are. You know what I mean? Like in some ways, I think that's, it's like production obviously is, is key, but like let me actually even see who this guy is. Because, you know, I don't want them to get buried. I don't want them to get forgotten about. Um, and I want to have as much information as possible uh, to make decisions. So Pierce does feel like maybe he's getting a bit steamed above where I'm comfortable. Uh, he does not really jump out in terms of any of the st statistical stuff that I'm looking at. But I kind of like him for some reason. <laughs> uh, he scores a lot of touchdowns. And I think, like, he kind of looks like he'll be, like, a good kind of early down guy. But Sean, do you have any interest in Pierce after after he lands in a clear opportunity? 
No, but I do think you have to respect the fact that he went there and that, I mean, he's going to get to touch the ball a lot. And so the thing that was kind of cool for me on this is if it's a player that I'm not on, I love for them to go earlier and push guys down. And I love for my opponents to have a potential trap player. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm always right on it. Sometimes those trap players actually end up being very viable fantasy assets for other people. But if they're going to have that, I prefer they have to pay more for it too. So that kind of either way, if they have to pay more, then it helps me out at least a little bit. You know, you were mentioning the touchdowns. I don't know how many goal line opportunities we're going to get there in Houston. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. It'll be a lot less than he had last year. Um, Algier is more interesting to me because he doesn't have like the athleticism we want ideally, but he has really good breakaway numbers and he's big. And so it's like kind of like uh, day three Derrick Henry. I, I think I'm kind of in on that. Pat, I don't know if you had any chance to um, run across this on our, our day three stream, but after we had Lynn Swan on on Thursday night, I, I had to compare Algier to, to John Riggins. Oh, boy. Okay. There was some interesting uh, comps being, being dished out uh, during the draft streams, but, uh, yeah, Riggins got a, a shout-out there. After the likes of Pearson, Algier, there is some kind of smaller backs that will be going late and went later in the NFL draft, like Williams, Chandler, and, and Beatty. Have you any interest in those guys at all? Yeah, I think, like, you get to a certain point, and I think that certain point is uh, Thornton, and then you just draft running backs. Um, that's kind of like where these drafts, you just have a really low hit rates on everyone. And so, you know, trying to, to mine some early career production, um, or just a guy, maybe you can flip, uh, I think running back, you're just so much, you have such a better chance of, of finding that one guy who's kind of jumped out to me. Um, and I like the guys you mentioned, but I haven't really heard anyone talk about it. Uh, trust in Ebner, uh, the sixth round pick for the bears, David Montgomery's free agent after the year. David Montgomery's also at times, you know, had Tariq Cohen or they, they seemed interested in having Damian Williams um, kind of play a, a receiving back role there. So he could be kind of a receiver. Uh, he's, he's like not tiny. I think he's like two Oh four decently explosive. Uh, I don't know. I kind of, he intrigues me, but this does feel like a range to like, just fall irrationally in love with uh, some some random guy who's never going to do anything, and I'm already I'm already starting that with uh, Tristan Ebner. Yeah, definitely a name now to anyone listening. Add that into your your notebook for for your drafts. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Moving on now to the biggest winners and losers at the wide receiver position. There were six wide receivers in the first 15 picks off round one there was no wide receivers taken then to the start of the second round but we had drake london garrett wilson jameson williams Traylon burks chris olave and then Jahan dodson who is the biggest winner from those first round picks i think we can skip the loser portion it probably is Jahan dodson yeah i think uh Jahan, i mean the biggest winner from uh the first round guys i mean i think it's burks you're because, like, compared to what we knew going into draft day for, you know, and then what we now know, like, I mean, the the thing, like, okay, like, with David Bell, right, we all say Jarvis Landry, but we really want to say Keenan Allen. With Traylon Burks, it's like we kind of all danced around not saying A.J. Brown. <laughs> and now we can kind of be like, well, he's going to be the A.J. Brown of that of that team. And, you know, it's a similar it's a similar prospect profile compared to AJ Brown becoming AJ Brown with that prospect profile is still incredibly unlikely. Like even for AJ Brown to become AJ Brown, wasn't like the likeliest outcome. Um, but you've got a guy who's a big wide receiver played in the slot, highly efficient at everything he did and carried his team's offense. Um, and now you've got the Titans saying like, yep, we know what to do with that. So I'm pretty interested that the thing with a guy like Traylon Burks, that would actually worry me is if he went to a team that was like, he's our Debo. Cause that feels like you're so much more reliant on, you know, schemed stuff and, and the coach actually being sharp. A lot of these coaches think they're sharp. They're not as sharp as they think. So this system, the play action, you know, the, the system's designed to like create uh yak, create him, but yak from like the intermediate and deep areas of the field, not just like trying to throw him screens and stuff. So um, obviously the production is not going to be AJ Brown asking the efficiency won't be on that level, but I, I mean, we weren't sure there was stuff like, Oh, he might fall out of the first round. You know, he might be a second round pick, you know, the, the FUD on, uh, Traylon Burks was like really at a peak on Twitter. I mean, and people were, people were acting like he was just already bust or something. So to get him to the Titans replacing AJ Brown in the middle of the first was, was pretty sweet. And I think Drake London's a pretty big winner. Um, uh, in a similar way where he's, you know, he's got a chance to just like eat targets and like, I, I like Garrett Wilson better as a prospect, but I think I'll ultimately have Drake London ranked ahead. Cause it's like hard to see, you know, Drake London, not having a, a pretty decent rookie year. Now you mentioned Garrett Wilson in there and he was kind of the third guy in our rookie rankings summit that there was a little bit of controversy with because most of us were really had this tier of Hall, London, and Burks. And the question is London or Burks at two. And then for reasons you've mentioned with Hall, I mean, if you were set at running back and, and couldn't trade down or just believe one of those guys, obviously you could take them at the 101. Is Wilson still in that group? Travis May, who obviously is our most immersed college football analyst still felt that he was and and kind of like you're saying there were a lot of people including dave caben who you know moved him down a little bit post-draft but felt like 
Wilson was the number two guy coming in. Overall, number one running, uh, number one wide receiver. Yeah, and I think that I think um, Ben Gretchen was his number one wide receiver. Um, he put in a, in a stealing uh, stealing signals article, and I think that's like totally. I totally get the the uh, Garrett Wilson wide receiver one argument. I had Burks one and Wilson two. Post draft, it feels harder because, like you know, it's it's a somewhat crowded. Uh, receiving depth chart Corey davis is they're going to cut him after the year like his contract almost demands that they cut him after the year but you know it makes it harder for wilson to hit the ground running as a rookie elijah moore can obviously play um and then zach wilson we're not sure if he's good so I, like all the landing spot stuff definitely concerning but like we've just seen time and time again if if the guy is is awesome it'll shine through and it will change things like Zach Wilson, we might end up thinking like, oh, he's not that bad because Garrett Wilson's a superstar. Like that's the, you know, wide receivers impact offenses. That's that's why, you know, I like drafting them uh, high and I don't like drafting running backs that high because like you can actually see the offense change if the guy's good enough. I think Garrett Wilson has a chance to be that good. I mean, he checks like every box. You know, he, he was productive. Like with the Alabama guys over the last few years, we're making a lot of excuses for them. You know, it's like, well, yeah, you know, Devonta Smith, like, never really did what we were looking for, but he's playing with all these other guys and stuff. You know, he finally does it as a senior, but the underclassman stuff's disappointing. Garrett Wilson broke out. Garrett Wilson has, like, pretty solid career numbers. He was super efficient, and, you know, he's declaring early, and he, he goes to the 10th pick in the draft. Like, he's got everything we're looking for. Um his size isn't quite what we want, but outside of that, and, and and even though he's small, he does have elite speed. So it's not like, you know, I'm not worried about him translating. It's more like, can he be, you know, is he more than like a Brandon Cooks type or can he actually be like a superstar? So I think that's the main question with him. And then it's like, now it's like Brandon Cooks with Zach Wilson. So it's not as, not as fun, but man, I mean, like in a, in a draft, <sighs> Like I, if I had to only take one guy, like I was in one dynasty league and I got a chance between Drake London and Garrett Wilson, I think I'd take Garrett Wilson. Like if it was my one team and I'm just making one bet, I want to bet on Garrett Wilson. Cause I think the talent level there, I just feel more comfortable betting on him. That's interesting. That's interesting. I like that. Um, I, I've been having a hard time because I want to move Jamison Williams up to into that group or ahead of Wilson. Now he's going to have that lion on his helmet. And I went through this really dark patch, Pat, where the lions had Calvin Johnson and they saw fit to, instead of do whatever it took to pull him back from retirement, they're like, we'll just go with golden Tate and Marvin Jones. And <laughs> I could not have morphed them more completely out on that. Like I, just hate the lion now. But now we're back, right? You've got Williams, you've got Chark, you've got Amon Ross St. Brown, you have TJ Hawkins and DeAndre Swift. Once they get that quarterback in there, I don't know. It sounded to me like you cannot stay in front of Williams and he's going to take it to the house every time. So, but speaking of the most exciting receiver in the NFL draft, obviously we have Sky Moore. He goes to the Kansas City Chiefs, the Chiefs make that kind of gutsy decision to move down and 
some teams take some iffy guys in front of him. So he goes below Wandale, Thornton, Pickens, Mechie, Pierce, but he does go to Kansas City, and we know that they were connected to him. Again, I think they had to have been ecstatic. Is this landing spot as good as it appears on the surface? You had joked with us on the stream that if you had the 104, you were going to sit tight and take him there. Larry Andrews actually selected him at 104 in, in one of our rookie mocks for our rankings summit. Um, we had to give Blair a hard time, but but only in the case that we were all jealous that we hadn't done it. Where do you expect him to sort of settle and is he a target for you there? I think he'll he'll settle after where I have him ranked because I'm going to have him ranked at the 106. So not at the 104, because um, at the 104 now we're talking about I mean, we might be talking about Burks. Like, you might sit at the 104 and get Burks because I'm seeing Kenneth Walker. I'm still seeing him at six. I mean, okay. Well, yeah. So, at 104, 104 is, we don't even need to think about more at the moment. But, uh, you know, and I would take have more of a Burks if you want. I mean, just. I I don't have more of a Burks. Don't don't bait me, Sean. Um, No, and I would would also take Jameson Williams over him because I think. You know, everything you're saying uh, about just how high the ceiling is with him, with Williams, makes a ton of sense. And they're going to get a quarterback who's not Jared Goff uh, pretty soon. So, but Sky Moore, you know, it's really like at this point, what he's missing is like he wasn't a first round pick and he's not like that great as a deep threat. He's really good in the intermediate area. He's not like a, a shallow guy in terms of, you know, the types of uh, routes he gets open on and stuff. But, um, but I don't know if he's going to ultimately add that deep threat element, which is what he needs to become like a true fantasy star. That's where you get to like Stefan Diggs, right? You can't. Otherwise, and I know your concern is that like, am I drafting Golden Tate with a mid first? Um, and it does feel maybe it's maybe it's Jeremy Macklin, you know, um, which, you know, good fit for that Andy Reid system. And I don't know, maybe peak Macklin with uh, Patrick Mahomes would have been pretty awesome. So I think it probably is more that like, I think he probably is kind of more of the intermediate guy who can occasionally win deep, but isn't, that's not going to be his calling card rather than, you know, someone who adds that element to his game, even though he's, he's pretty fast, but uh, to project that feels a little much, but you know, if he's already off the bat, really strong in the intermediate area and is going to be playing on the outside, at least for some of his snaps, because Juju Smith Schuster is not going to just, seed all the slot snaps so we're getting we're getting sky Moore playing some on the outside um with patrick mahomes at quarterback that's like super exciting we also have marcus valda scantling who's going to m- be more than capable of, of stretching the defense and playing you know that deep threat role so you know it kind of sets up perfectly for sky Moore because juju let's face it has stunk the last couple years so if you have a guy who like owns the slot, but doesn't earn targets at a super high rate. And when he does earn targets, it's a, like an eight out of five. And then we've got Marcus Valdez Scantling, who his eight outs like 17. It's too deep to like consistently earn targets. Sky Moore just feasting in the intermediate area. The sweet eight out of around 11, just like, I mean, we could be talking about a 24, 25% tar- uh, target share here. I'm, I'm starting to, I'm starting to hype myself up. He's but getting like, excited. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, we're not really missing much with more. Like he just seems like the other thing about these wide receiver, the wide receiver analysis, 
is that I don't know we're that great at identifying ceiling. It's more like we're good at figuring out like who's going to be like good. And then the ceiling can always surprise you. And the Justin Jefferson stuff, like it just really sticks with me. Like this is at Garrett Wilson. You know, one of the reasons I, I'm like insisting that I stay high on Garrett Wilson is that it's like guy who checks all the boxes and then gets draft capital can be a superstar. Like we don't also then need to like go, well, he played in the slot. And is that going to, it's like, no, like Justin Jefferson checked every single box, goes in the first round and is a star. So Sky Moore, you know, didn't go in the first round, goes in the second round, gets the great landing spot, has the size, actually has more of the size than Garrett Wilson to where you could actually see him becoming like a fantasy wide receiver one, probably more of like a wide receiver two type. But yeah, I want to be above market and I have him at the 106. I think he'll probably be more in like that late first range in Superflex. Uh, so hopefully I'll have a lot of them. Yeah, you mentioned the ceiling and kind of like you were saying with Jarvis Landry, Keenan Allen on the comps for David Bell. Uh, Blair was uh, frustrating as he was editing our post-draft reaction for more. And he's like, I don't want to see these Golden Tate comps. It's like, Stefan Diggs, it's got to be Diggs, right? And You know, I don't even think Diggs is the, it's Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown is the, the like, don't say it comp. The don't you dare even say it comp is Antonio Brown. So you're still going to claim that Antonio Brown is better than Stefan Diggs? Wow. I mean, from a fantasy perspective, you know, I don't I don't know. We don't need to get in a, a talent debate here. But from a fantasy perspective, I think uh, he's had a stronger career. Well, that's why. And I think both in terms of White from the NBC show and uh, more from Chip Chasing on Thursday. I just I nailed both of those guys for us. Got him to the team. Well, White to the the draft Kepler, but the highlights, <laughs> the highlight comment I'm watching. And I'm like, I know that this is Pat's favorite guy ever. And he looks good, but I want to see, I mean, Stefan Diggs there, right? I mean, you're taking Stefan Diggs against that level of competition. I'm just thinking 70 yard touchdown with like five missed tackles forced on every, on every play. Yeah. And, and maybe it wasn't quite that, but no, he looks very good. I'm very, very excited. Speaking of a couple of guys, well, we, JJ Zacharyson has com compared him to DJ Moore. And I actually think that's like a really, really good comp. Um, Cause he even has that kind of like that stockiness to him. You know, I think that's, that's the real, like the Stefan Diggs and Antonio Brown stuff. I think it's, it's too much. I don't think that's who he is. Cause I don't think he's going to have that like deep threat element, as I was saying, but you know, more, more can be used as a, as a deep threat at times, but he's, better as we saw you know they, they kind of had him in the deep threat role two years ago and comes back more to the intermediate role and the yards after catch stuff that's where he's best and i think sky Moore will be the same where you know if he's getting used mostly on intermediate targets and shallow targets with some deep stuff sprinkled in he can he can be awesome and he can he can have some yards after the catch as well he should just be wide open i mean you described their offense perfectly what they need to do on top of that, just, I mean, him there in the intermediate, I mean, Pat, he could lead NFL wide receivers and first downs as a rookie. Speaking of a couple of guys who probably can't, we have Thornton and Pierce. Are these guys winners because they're selected at solid points in round two? I mean, we're talking about just very solidly here in round two, or are they losers because of underwhelming QB play or Pat, are they just losers because of their own resumes? <laughs> I think the resume, I mean, Pierce, I think, is is a bit of a loser, not because of his own resume 
purely like Pierce is the type of guy I was doing, uh, I was doing some comp stuff and, uh, pulling in guys. One thing that's interesting is like you, you kind of pull in, uh, comps and some guys like there really aren't that many. And Pierce was like, he like comp to like every wide receiver ever. Cause he's just like an NFL wide receiver who gets drafted. Like, so he's not a special player, but, um, he's athletic. He's got good size and he's a deep threat. And that is a, that is, that's an archetype that I think is worth betting on, uh, particularly when it's not expensive in rookie drafts, because occasionally those guys will really surprise you. Most of the time they're kind of like, it's Marcus Valdez Scanling or something like that. But occasionally you get a Terry McLaurin or, or a DJ shark or something. And I think, you know, it's worth kind of firing at that profile. Thornton is like, I mean, sort of the same profile, certainly, uh, you know, he's even faster, but he's smaller. He's like 181. And I don't know. I'm having a hard time getting really excited about him at, in on any level. It's kind of like in my rankings, it's, I've just sort of like, every time I see him, I'm like, I can probably get another running back or two above him. <laughs> Finishing up with a, a couple of wide receivers, I think got very interesting Lanton spots, Lanton with the Buffalo Bills and the Green Bay Packers. And that is Khalil Shakir and Romeo Dubes and uh, I think they're both obviously an explosive offenses which I think benefits them bothly but do you have a preference for either of those and, and are you excited about either of them in 2022? I'm not and I wish I was I liked I liked Shakir a lot as a prospect um, well I shouldn't say a lot but he was one of those guys that when I, when we were starting things I was thinking would be like a second round guy who I would get to fade. And then I was like, Ooh, maybe he's a third round guy that I get to draft cheaply. But now, you know what he went in the fourth or fifth round. Um, those day three guys, they just, uh, you really have to be a special player, I think to emerge from day three. And even when it happens, you know, Gabe Davis, who wasn't like a special prospect, but I think a better prospect um, than either of these guys. And he was an early declare. Um, and you know, decently productive. It took a few years, and it took the team being like, "It's not going to happen." Like they had, he, they were like, "Emmanuel Sanders is better than you, dude." Like he had to prove he was better than you know, now retired Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, so I, it's just such a difficult path. Uh, I I do have a hard time getting excited about either guy. I have them right next to each other. I think at this point, the answer is probably Dubs because he gets to play with Aaron Rodgers and there's opportunity. And so, you know, he doesn't necessarily have to get worried about, we don't have to be as worried about him getting buried by a veteran, but could be the type of thing where he just instantly disappears, you know. It does feel that way. And even as a Packers hat, with my, you know, green bay hat on it feels like that could be the case so we'll see what happens over the the coming months hopefully we'll get some good reports with these guys when it comes to training camp and things like that but pat that has been awesome having you on all the listeners you can find pat on twitter at pat corain you can find all his work over at nbc sports edge and of course the great ship chasing podcast and live streams with the likes of uh, pete overset and of course Ben Gretsch of Stadium Bananas. But is there anything else, Pat, that you've coming out that you want to let the, the listeners know about over the, the course of the next week? Yeah, I've got my uh, Dynasty rookie ranks that I'll have out later today. So look for those on NBC Sports Edge. I'll tweet about them. Yeah, we've got a, uh, a good football show. I'm having uh, Grant Barfield, Evan Silva, 
Kyle Dvorak going to be joining me. We're doing a uh, not super flex. We're doing a one quarterback uh, rookie mock draft. Uh, that'll be that'll be tomorrow. So so look for that as well. Sean, that was absolutely fantastic having Pat on. We are going to have him back for the Thursday episode as well. So you're not going to want to miss that. Pat always uh, brings that great content, and he has been crushing it throughout the draft season, uh, the NFL draft season. So you're going to want to uh, hear what he has to say on Thursday's show as well. But Sean, I mentioned the NFL draft streams that you embedded at the start of the show. You two guys done an absolutely amazing job you did uh around about 13 hours combined uh, so how are the after effects of that uh, it was a lot of fun watching them and then joining in with you on the, the saturday edition but um really really good stuff to watch along with are you have you recovered i'm getting there right but obviously sunday and monday were big days for content and rankings and so fresh off of those streams i had to try and get all my players in order and so that you know you're, you're trying to make sure you hit that as you know perfectly as you can obviously there are going to be things that turn out to be incorrect after the season has played out but trying to do a good job with those rankings it's it's funny you mentioned the 13 hours of streams because I, I was there the whole time and yet there are constantly like things that happened and references to this that or the other thing that people are talking about that i completely missed <laughs> as it was happening and so uh, you know, I may have to go in there and watch a little bit. It'll be a little bit the first time, first time for me as well. But no, everybody was fantastic. You know, Pat was great when he was on. That was so much fun. It was great to have Dave on. I don't want to, you know, list everybody because I'm sure we'll miss somebody. But Connor was great. Michael Doomer has some really cool stuff coming out on Best Ball on the site. He was on. And, you know, obviously we had a huge number of people in the combined ship chasing stealing bananas event on thursday so yeah it was an absolute blast and we're setting up now for some drafts as you mentioned we've got rotoviz triflex dynasty league rookie drafts coming up this weekend probably jump into a startup or two i know monty fawn is doing some of those he and i have a rookie draft as well column you and i have talked about getting into a startup at some point this offseason and then i've also been talking with connor a lot about getting into some of these underdog drafts i'm going to do some drafts with connor uh, over the next month and i think those will be a lot of fun for content but underdog the two million dollar top prize it's going to be a lot of people you're competing with so you're going to have to be good to win that one but i feel like connor and i would at least have well the same chance that everybody else has but we're going to use the <laughs> rotoviz tools to put together some structurally dominant teams. We're going to draft some exciting players. That will be fun. If you want to join us over there and take your shot at winning the $2 million, you can use the coupon code ROTOVIZ. I like that one, Colin. It's very easy for me to remember. ROTOVIZ will get you a 100% deposit match up to $100. So put $100 in, use the coupon code ROTOVIZ, you'll get an extra $100, and you'll be off and drafting to become the 2022 champion and a newly minted millionaire yeah and uh sean it feels like i've been talking to uh 
uh, Draco as well about getting into some drafts with him and it feels like maybe we're going with the approach of uh, if you can't beat them join them because he, right. he just pepped us to the post in the FFPC last year right. so we're going to get that extra edge uh, in 2022 but yeah um, so many great best ball contests have been ongoing and are going to, to start coming up so we'll be doing those and uh, we may even do some of those over on the, the YouTube channel but we'll see what happens there but Sean the the entire draft that you did or the entire stream that you did with ben i turned into a kind of a 30 minute compilation of all the funniest bits if people haven't seen it uh ben obviously had a lot of fun with the seahawks and how things were going so head on over and check that out pat was on as well i teased it with him but some of the absolute funniest moments uh, to head on over and check it i have put that in the show notes for today's show if you want to find it easy and do hit that subscribe button while you're over at youtube we are at 790 subscribers. We're trying to push towards that 1,000. So head on over, help us out there. We would greatly appreciate that. But that is going to get us to wrap up for today's show. As Sean mentioned, the Rookie Draft Guide, part three is out. Check that out if you have already subscribed to it. I'm sure you are uh, checking it out as we go, but it would be in your inbox if that is the case. But until we're back on Thursday with Pat Crane for another episode, of course, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast.